When the British marched slowly into the deserted city by the lurid light that shot up from the blazing capital, the population had dwindled down to a few stragglers and the slaves of the absent residents. The houses scattered over a large space were closed and no sign of life visible. Mr. Madison had crossed the Potomac early in the afternoon, and his wife had gone in another direction. The bayonets of the British gleamed as they filed down the avenue, and the fulminations from the navy yard saluted them as they passed. Nothing but the prayers and entreaties of the women and the expostulations of the residents deterred the British commander, General Ross, from blowing up the capital. He contented himself, however, by firing it at all points and destroying with it many houses in the vicinity, among which was one belonging to General Washington. "'I have indeed to this hour,' said Mr. Bush in 1855, "'the vivid impression upon my eye of columns of smoke and flame "'ascending all through the night of August 24, 1814, "'from the Capitol, President's House, and other public buildings, "'as the whole were on fire, some burning slowly, "'others with bursts of flames and sparks mounting high in the dark heavens. "'This can never be forgotten by me.' As I accompanied on that memorable night President Madison, Mr. Jones, Secretary of the Navy, General Mason of Anacostia Island, and Mr. Carroll of Bellevue across the river. If at intervals the heartbreaking sight was lost to our view, we found it again from some hilltop or eminence where we would pause to gaze at it. Among the many stories which greeted Congress when it met near the ruins some three weeks afterward, was that Admiral Cockburn, in a strain of coarse levity, mounting the Speaker's chair in the Capitol, went through the form of putting the question, "'Shall this harbor of Yankee democracy be burned?' And when the mock resolution was declared unanimous, it was carried into effect by placing combustibles under the furniture. The temporary wooden structure readily ignited. Doors, chairs, the library and its contents in an upper room of the Senate wing— Everything that could burn soon disappeared in sheets of flame, illuminating the country for thirty miles around. Through the eternal Pennsylvania Avenue, the British commanders led their elated troops, where but a few hours before, the flying, scattered Americans, ashamed and despairing, had wended their sorrowful way, the capital behind them, wrapped in its winding robe of flame. At a house near the President's mansion, they halted and ordered supper, which was eaten by General Ross and Admiral Cockburn in the glare of their own barbarous handiwork. This onslaught was so unexpected that a dinner party had been arranged by Mrs. Madison for that day, and the following note from Mrs. Jones, wife of the Secretary of the Navy, shows that even though surprised and alarmed, they even then had no idea of immediate danger. To Mrs. Madison, Washington, August 23, 1814. My dear madam, In the present state of alarm and bustle of preparation for the worst that may happen, I imagine it will be more convenient to dispense with the enjoyment of your hospitality today, and therefore pray you to admit this as an excuse for Mr. Jones, Lucy, and myself. Mr. Jones is deeply engaged in dispatching the Marines and attending to other public duties. Lucy and I are packing with the possibility of having to leave, but in the event of necessity we know not where to go nor have we any means yet prepared for the conveyance of our effects. I sincerely hope and trust the necessity may be avoided, but there appears rather serious cause of apprehension. 
Our carriage horse is sick, and our coachman absent, or I should have called last evening to see your sister. I feel great solicitude on her account. Yours very truly and affectionately, E. Jones. Hoping and fearing, Mrs. Madison lingered on at the President's house for Mr. Madison's return, until the British officers were actually at the threshold, and the moment could be no longer delayed. She had secured the public papers and the Declaration of Independence, and was being hurried out to the waiting carriage by Mr. DePaster and Mr. Barker, when her eye was attracted by the valuable portrait of General Washington hanging on the wall, this being one of the few adornments of the White House at that time, and an excellent likeness of the adored First President. She felt she could not leave it, and at the risk of capture herself resolved to save it if possible. After much valuable time spent in trying to unfasten the great frame from the wall, the servants were obliged to break the outside edge with an axe, keeping the entire canvas, however, quite uninjured. This they sent in a hack to a woman named Baker, living beyond Georgetown. 